0: Today on the Topping Show, Vivek on Sean Hannity discuss the American Dream. Bud Light sponsors an all-age drag show. The UAW strikes increase at both General Motors and Stellantis. A 13-year-old boy uses a gun to defend his mom and sisters from a violent intruder. Disney claims they will quit quietly the culture war. Bud Light has yet another week of football tweet mocked relentlessly, though. Murak to exit the news business. DeSantis interviews to discuss the differences between him and Trump. Cisco pays a record amount to acquire Splunk. Toshiba is delisted from stock trading after the acquisition, YouTube to use AI to combat TikTok, and a infant swing is recalled due to a suffocation hazard. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also for the month of September, we are giving away a free flamethrower with every September purchase. Go to toppingtechnologies.com to see additional details. And yes, you can mount it to an AR-15 as all accessories that are awesome truly can be. Additionally, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of September, so if you click that button, the team and I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Cisco buying Splunk for $28 billion. Wow, this is quite literally Cisco's largest acquisition to date. Now, Splunk is a very popular software for monitoring, searching, analyzing, and visualizing machine generated data in real time. Historically, It's really thrived in the Fortune 100, Fortune 500, trying to think of a rudimentary way to describe the technology. It's a great data aggregator. It helps you you make sense of all the data points you get from a large enterprise business. Now, it's interesting that they're buying them all of a sudden and there's a lot of jokes, people saying, oh, is this, are they trying to purchase Splunk or is this just the renewal? The joke being Splunk is extremely expensive, though it certainly does have a place in the enterprise. A lot of people, including myself, who work in technology, a lot of us are wondering, will they ever get an ROI on this? Because, again, that's $28 billion for a struggling company. The company, I believe, makes about $2 billion a year in revenue, not profit. It's about their revenue. And even just a quick search on the Internet, you look up Splunk yearly revenue, just to double check. Their stock is about $150. Um, Splunk Revenue, MacroTrends.com. Yeah, so in
1: 2023,
0: well again, thus far, looks like their revenue was on track to hit 3.65 billion. Last year, their revenue was $2.67 billion. That's revenue, not profit. So Cisco paid $28 billion for them, so it would take about 10 years, just about, maybe nine years, just to get the revenue. That's, again, there's a big delta between revenue and profit. Now, another issue with Splunk is they saturated the market pretty well. Every large company, think of the Walmarts, the Walt Disneys of the world, those large, large companies that they're the ones who benefit the most from the technology, they already have it. The market is pretty saturated, so they're, they're attempting to go mid-market, which is a term for let's say businesses between 500 employees to about maybe 5,000 employees. Well, they're a little bit more price conscious than the you know Fortune 100s, and there are a lot of competitive tools in that space that do similar things to Splunk. Splunk also has an issue where the more data you feed it, so you pay for you know the product, but the more you data you put in it, the more it costs. So it's kind of a negative incentive to properly utilize it. You also need many employees to use it. My company, my IT company, Top Technologies worked with a couple of retailers who unfortunately they are no longer in business, but when they utilize that technology, they didn't just have one person where that was their whole job. They had a group of employees where that was the only thing they did was manage the Splunk technology. It's a great tool, but very resource intense. So that's another issue as they're trying to expand into mid market and maybe in some SMB, SMB being small, medium business, So there are a lot of issues that Splunk has been going through. Of course, like many companies, they also had a lot of talent leaving the company and people aren't hitting their quotas. So there are a lot of issues with it. Now, Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins said, quote, that the deal would help drive the next generation of AI-enabled security, unquote. Which is a very good buzzword. AI will get the shareholders signed off on damn near anything these days. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are some long-term capabilities with the technology that they'll incorporate into it. And Cisco is trying to pivot more to a software company because everyone loves software more than hardware. You look at just how software traded companies are traded on the New York Stock Exchange, they're traded at a greater ratio and they're treated in a better light than a hardware company. Now hardware, when it comes to Cisco, they don't have a monopoly per se, but they have a vast majority share of the market. I would argue partially because they basically, for all intents and purposes, invented the school for networking and certifications So when it comes to networking, think of switches as well as wireless access points, the true WAP. Now, Cisco has that market for years. And the downside is that's a lot of hardware. They want to pivot to be more software. So this will help them with that initiative, but at what cost? This is their largest acquisition. Granted, this will be undoubtedly more popular than when they bought the flip cameras, which hilariously enough, this might age me quite a bit. There was a time where it was a really cool trendy gadget Probably about, about the size of a deck of cards. And it had a little USB dra- uh, adapter. It would flip out and you'd connect it to your computer. And it, I believe it's called the Fit Flip camera. And of course, they bought it and subsequently never made a profit off of it. A lot of quirky technologies like that back in the, what was it, the 90s, the 2000s. But it'll be interesting. They did pay, I believe, it looks like about 31% premium on, pl- on Splunk's, Splunk's stock. So it'll be interesting to see if they make a pro- profit. Of course, there's a certain value in addition to the revenue. There's the intellectual property that Splunk has. There's a lot of special ingredients that make go into their technology. And it'll be interesting to see how this helps perhaps Cisco on their transition as they try to truly be a software first company, not just to just make shareholders happy, but become long-term more profitable as well. So it'll be interesting to see, but let's you know, say, interestingly enough, when I did a little poll on LinkedIn a couple hours ago, of the 65 people who voted, when I asked the people, you know, what do you think? Will they break? Will they get an ROI in terms of the return on their investment? And the options being one year, three year, never, then other, just like so in comment. And of the, what is was it, I believe 60 people voted thus far, over 51% have said they'll never make a profit on it. So it'll be interesting to see, but time, as I say, shall tell. Other interesting business use, you have Toshiba delisted from the Tokyo Stock Exchange after their purchase. Now, it looks like it is set to be listed officially after the consortium put in a 2 trillion yen tender offer for the electronics company. Now, it's one of those issues where Toshiba, they have a long history of being one of the largest manufacturers on the planet in terms of electronic components and electronics in general. Fun little fact, if you try to repair old Nintendo's NES, the original NES console. If you open it up, you actually, when I did it, I saw a little Toshiba logo on the circuit board and some of the components that made the Nintendo NES controller. So not just do they make their own technologies, like they have their TVs, they used to have laptops, but they also make components for other manufacturers, being an OEM, or original equipment manufacturer. And they have a huge portfolio. Now, it looks like the switch to Toshiba's new parent company, the largest shareholder called TBJH, Inc., which, yes, marketing, maybe D+, plus. that's not a very inspiring name for a company. Not as cool as something like topping technologies, or some might argue no one tops their service, but that's just me. Now, they say that it would take place on the 27th of September, so just right around the corner, and they do technically, they still need the shareholders' approval, and the meeting, that meeting is set in November, according to Toshiba. When asked for the comment from the CEO, Mr. Taroshimata said, quote, Toshiba Group will now have a major step forward, a new future with a new shareholder, unquote. So it'd be interesting to see if they start to consolidate some of those activities and some of those technologies, maybe focus on things that are a little bit more profitable. That'll be interesting to see, and they've certainly had their business blunders, don't get me wrong, at least from the consumer's perspective and the company still being a separate operating unit, maybe it'll be treated as an independent subsidiary. Perhaps just on nostalgia alone, as well as the quality of some products, I do hope they continue to exist and make good products for the folks who like to purchase them. Other interesting business use, you have YouTube going to start using AI to combat the TikTok. The ever-growing Chinese dragon is upon us. It looks like damn near every American has downloaded that Chinese spyware app and it is just growing exponentially, not just in capabilities, but in adoption rates. They now, even, they now even have a fascinating store in there, too. So, not only can you have your eyeballs glued to the app, but you also purchase things on there. And they have an affiliate link. They are really expanding the capabilities. It'll be interesting to see, when does Elon Musk try to catch up with X? Another topic for another time, perhaps. Now, it looks like YouTube, they're planning to launch several AI tools, including one that allows creators to add AI-generated videos or photos in the background of short form content. Creators will also be able to use AI to generate personalized ideas for new content. Now, they claim that these features will help YouTube stand out in the short-form battle against Meta's Reels, also found on Instagram and Facebook, and ByteDance's fast-growing TikTok. Which, we'll see how that works. YouTube's trying these shorts really... They're pushing them really hard. Anecdotally speaking, from my experience, I know once the channel becomes monetized, in theory, you get more views because YouTube has an incentive to actually send it out more, recommend it more, but... In terms of my anecdotal experience, my shorts usually aren't very successful, and I know we're building the subscriber base, and of course, if you're subscribed to your channel, that's when it's you're, they're gonna see it more often than not, but a lot of the shorts that I make, I'll do the summary for just the daily show, and more often than not, you might get like 20 to 30 views. Every once in a while, you get a couple hundred, and only one or two times, I've actually gotten comments on it, and. I've talked to, or at least I've listened to other creators talk about the conundrum of trying to use the YouTube shorts. They're saying that they make a fraction of what they make on the long form formats of their shows. So there's not very much incentive for them to use it. I am attempting to use it with a daily summary to try to increase interest in the channel and get someone the ideal goal to be to watch the long format videos that I put together and put a lot of effort into. Granted, I'm still trying to make it better every day and your comments and your feedback do help me with that journey. Again, if you have a software suggestion to do picture-in-picture, picture, that's what—that's my main goal in terms of adopting new technology to make the show better. And I've tried a couple different softwares, and it's kind of a hit or miss. They keep crashing when I try with my webcam. So I appreciate everyone's patience, and if you have suggestions, appreciate it. Also trying to figure out why the autofocus is kind of a hit or miss with this show. Uh, it's gotten better. It used to be about maybe 15 minutes in, it would start to go blurry, and it wouldn't fix itself. Now it seems kind of more sporadic. About maybe 20 minutes in, it'll start going blurry. But then it'll fix itself eventually. But I I'm not moving too much. I'm not no I don't know what's triggering the autofocus to change. And when I try to set the focus, you know, fixed, I'll be darned that doesn't work as well. And truth be told, most of my my IT company we do a lot of cybersecurity, we do a lot of servers, storage, networking, a lot of services. So that, a lot of the video production that's very much new to me. And I even have one of my monitors in front of me to try to attempt to see if it's in focus. so I could try to fix it in real time, so if it's blurry, maybe I can move a little bit. So bear with me, but again, the comments help make it better. But back to the YouTube using AI to try to generate more interest and combat TikTok. I mean, for darn near since its inception, YouTube has dominated the long format factor. Now, those are the easiest to monetize traditionally, which helps YouTube, that's how they make money. But it's also the detriment. Most Americans have decreasing attention spans, which ironically, I also blame on social media and you know apps on the phones, but with the short-term formats, they're harder to monetize, hard to get an ROI out of, and it's one of those things where TikTok—that's their whole thing. So YouTube's trying to do both. They're trying to push a lot of their tech into the YouTube Shorts, and they're trying to get more people subscribed to that and try to have more people do it, but they're not incentivizing the creators to really do it, and. I believe you have to have like 10 million views on shorts in order to monetize the shorts. Like, geez louise, that would take, and totally speaking, that would take me, what? 10 million, probably about 10 million years. Like, <laughs> again, you know, you always hope for the hockey stick trajectory where you have the growth rate where it's a little bit consistent, and then all of a sudden it goes up. That's always the hope and the attempt. And that's, you know, why many say persistence, you just got to keep on, keep it on. And uh, for me, I would always say 105 hours a week can't be beat, but that's just one of my other favorite phrases. I almost think for YouTube to be more successful, this idea, they might just have to spin it off into a separate app because it would have cost them something, don't get me wrong, to have a whole new infrastructure set up, a whole new app, but that way they can really focus on it and as opposed to having this almost, it's not, I think some people think it's cumbersome and awkward to have the shorts incorporated into YouTube. And again, just from the ground up, TikTok is known for the short format videos. And YouTube they're known for the long format videos which also is a detriment it costs them a lot more money just think of the hosting cost when you look at the data generated by a long format video especially when you're doing 1080p or 4k i mean some of my videos once you go into the two hour mark they're about 20 gigabytes of data raw so that's quite a bit and before i put in the intros and actually have the video edited then it goes down to about 45 you know, four to five gig but if you're so all that data just adds up exponentially again, I forget what statistics there are out there, but there's one article, there's many articles that say, you know, for every one second that goes by in real life, you know, minutes and hours are uploaded to YouTube. I mean, it's costing them a pretty penny. The upside of shorts is, quite rudimentary speaking, it's just in the name, they're short. It costs them a fraction of the price to store a 30 second clip as opposed to a two hour video. That's a huge delta resource consumption. Also, they're networking, it's a lot less data being pushed to the network. so. There are many reasons why it is much more difficult to launch a long format video hosting site, but I don't know if these little, they kind of feel like gimmicks. It sounds like some of these tools might help the creators. So when it comes to technologies that can maybe put in a new background, although how can you get a cooler background than this? I got Blockbuster behind me. But nevertheless, some people probably want something a little bit more cooler, perhaps, if that exists. But that might be interesting, but once it starts having, it's going to suggest content that you make, I think once they'll get to the point where they actually make the content for you, which the technology is there already, I think that will increase the adoption rate of creators. Although I think some of the audience won't feel as authentic if they know it's just a computer doing it. There's no real human interaction. Now, hilariously enough, someone in the comments a couple weeks ago, they had a theory that I was AI. Which, really? I'd probably change a few things about myself if I was a computer, don't you think? But nevertheless, I partially digress. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light sponsoring an all ages drag show with them being the top premier sponsor. Will that increase their sales in the short term? No, I would say the outlook is not so good. Now this is specifically in regards to Phoenix Pride Festival and just going to the main part of their website. And again, I appreciate it. if The camera stays in focus or if I can even tell. Again, one of these things, that, that's what YouTube, oh, YouTube should just make a recording technology. We'd, that'd be great. I know you can just, you know, record on your phone, but if they had a long format, for all the unlimited resources Google has, I'm surprised they haven't already done that already. Nevertheless, we shall press on as I attempt to see if it is actually in focus or not. All right. I appreciate everyone's patience. I, it looks like it might be. Needless to say, I probably need to get some larger monitors on the wall in front of me so I can tell without being so awkward and cumbersome. Though perhaps not as awkward as my conversation in real life or on the show, as I appreciate the feedback and try to pontificate and articulate a little bit more, and a little bit better each time. In theory. Now, going back to the Phoenix Drag event, now they looks like their nonprofit is phoenixpride.org. All right, the guy.org. The main the main menu is plastered with. I dare not guess the pronouns because I, I can't tell. Oh no, I can't. Some of these are pretty distinct. So yeah, they they yeah, never mind. Yeah, you can tell. Now it looks like, in terms of what they're allowing at the event, go to the ticket information because some people are saying, well, is it, is it eight? Some people consider eighteen to be a kid. Well, is it really? Well, yes. It looks like. Actually, it's free if you're under 12. So an event with copious amounts of alcohol, presumably, well, I was going to say sponsored by an alcoholic company. Well, the company's not alcoholic. I don't think the people who work there are addicted. Well, perhaps they are. That's why they won't quit despite all the things going on. But no less, it's now called producing company. If you go to the map, yeah, it looks like, yeah, they do have beverages. Let me see here as young as 12 wow well actually no it's younger so if it's younger than 12 they get in for free or if they're active active military they get a free admission now they also say children 13 to 17 and seniors 55 and over and former military receive a partial discount at the ticket gate and then they have adults 18 and over have multiple different packages to choose from and it looks like the tickets are like 50 bucks for the weekend or 55 That is quite expensive. And no fun, they actually say you can't have skateboards. Where's the tolerance? Is skating now a crime again? I remember back in my day, that was the most cliche thing ever. Skateboarding is a crime. You also can't bring in any, no coolers? Oh yeah, they want you to buy all their stuff. I love how they have to specify, you can't bring in explosive devices or incendiary devices. I really get, they're getting oddly specific. Oh, actually, I'm shocked. They're saying no drugs? No way. So another contingency of entering the facility, it says, permitted items include any drugs other than prescription or consumer products in their original containers. You may not smoke cannabis in a public place even with a medical marijuana card per state law interesting i would not if i were to guess i would not have called i would have lost that bet i i'm not gonna lie right there now in terms of the sponsorships and why people are saying bud light is sponsoring it it is quite literally presented by bud light and everyone else is a smaller sponsor you see this very prevalently well i noticed anecdotally i noticed it especially in tech events when my company's looking to do a specific level of sponsorship in tech it's very common to have the cliche precious metals comparison where you have platinum sponsor gold sponsor silver sponsor and then maybe bronze and the more precious the metal the more expensive it is the more your logo is seen it's usually the biggest on the signage you get to do a couple extra speeches so there's a lot of benefits to sponsoring these events and may business find advertising in that capacity a very profitable venture now in this case it's a little bit more controversial than usual. Bud Light, in terms of the historical marketing and advertising campaigns, they've sponsored pride parades for, I think, three decades. That's a long cornerstone of the company's business model and presumably has increased their sales exponentially. Now, I think the big difference people are starting to notice in 2023, that was different from previous years that's perhaps fueling the boycott, is they're sponsoring drag shows where children are present, where drag shows are inherently sexual by their nature, And the same reason why I don't think any most American adults would believe it's appropriate to bring a young child to a strip club. Very similarly, I don't believe most American adults would think it's appropriate to bring a child to a drag show where, of course, they're dressing very promiscuously. In in some cases, they were quite literally demonstrating sexual acts. And yet, the mainstream media didn't say a peep, other than, this is great and good and you should accept it. Which, again, if you're an adult, do whatever the hell you want. But when you have kids, I think a lot of people are concerned. What? what, Why? It's it's quite unusual. Now, Bud Light looks like they are the presented by Bud Light. You also have the Diamond level, Circle K, for your gas station needs. Platinum level, that's kind of pathetic. They don't have a Platinum sponsor. It's about a month from the event. They don't have a sponsor. That's for Platinum level? That's telling me that's prohibitively expensive or there's very little interest in this event. I mean, for most events where you have a high volume of people coming, it's not too hard to find sponsors. Even with advertising dollars being down these days on average, it's kind of pathetic they don't have a platinum sponsor. And it's even more pathetic when you say they have gold sponsors. So there are many people who are are paying to be sponsors, but they don't wanna pay for the platinum level. Now the gold level sponsors include Aero Aeroponic Cannabis? What? So the event is banning cannabis, but there you have a cannabis company sponsoring it? How on earth does that make any sense? Ridiculous. Also sponsored by the Arizona lottery, because gambling is okay as long as the state does it, remember? With the government. What the hell is it? The, it's sponsored by the Phoenix City Fax Track? No, no idea what that is. Marigold? is a gold-level sponsor. That is, I'm not gonna lie, that's, if it wasn't for the content of the event, Mary Gold being a gold sponsor, I think would be a marketing brilliance. I mean, that that just makes sense. And for these companies, it might make sense depending on what they do. It might be a profitable thing for these businesses. You have someone called progressive leasing, which, I mean, half the half the advertising here uses the word progressive. So that would seem to be an appropriate sponsorship to have. And it looks like progressive leasing says shop your favorite stores. So I believe apply for your lease. Oh, so it's it's a way for you to lease crap you don't need. Come on, America. Ridiculous. So l- literally you go to a store, buy an Xbox and you can lease it. Ridiculous. Again, frivolous things for, for something you do not need in life. I was about to say obviously, but not so obviously because people are still doing this activity. And you have record credit card debt in the United States recently just passing $1 trillion for the first time. I believe that was about six weeks ago. Another gold level sponsor. Oh, geez, Louise. We're going to power through this because there are a lot of sponsors. So we're going to hammer through this. Gold sponsor. The last gold sponsor is Waymo. And I would say in terms of their brand smart event because their they're little Waymo, the W, does have the uh, pride flag in it. Also, spo- the silver sponsors are, looks like a radio station, Arizona's alternative, the Arizona Republic, 100.3 Latino mix, Pride Guide Arizona, Quiet Bueno, 105.9, Shake Shack, Univision Arizona, We the People Clothing, So, quite a lot of radio stations. All right, so those are the silver sponsors. This thing has more sponsors than I thought. Bronze sponsorship. Viral Elimination Services. You have Castle Megastore. El Jimador Tequila. Fabulous Me. Okay, that's, we gotta do some investigation. That, I, I think I know what this is, maybe. Fabulous Me. No, I was, what the, they make the the fans that you use on yourself. So they, ha, they make fans and the Japanese umbrellas. That's kind of cute. Okay. That's interesting. Fabulous me. You also have Gilead, Gilead HIV. The Hispanic, what, Gilead, this Hispanic heritage month celebrating culture and purpose. I forgot to wear my Cuban fedora hat thing. Damn. Yeah, it looks to be, I believe, a biotech company, interestingly enough. Okay. Uh, Jack Daniels, which, that's not surprised. surprise. Jack Daniels, I believe, last October in 2022, they actually sponsored a drag uh, reality show. So, I'm not surprised. They're a bronze sponsor. You have OGs being another bronze sponsor. Pride Group being a, another bronze level sponsor. SAAF with no logo. It's just Letters uninspiring, V I V Healthcare. Now there's more sponsors. All right, these are the community level sponsors. So progressively, we're getting more economical or cheaper. That's a nice way of saying it. Now the community sponsors include Albertsons Safeway, which Albertsons is one of the largest grocery stores cha- chains in the United States. Now you also have Aunt Rita's Foundation, connecting, which is a looks like looks like it's an HIV found out chain. They have BMO, which is one of the largest banks in the world. Community Bridges, CVS Specialty, Discover, Edward Jones, Investing, Fascinations, Greater Equality. No, sorry, Greater Phoenix Equality Chamber of Commerce, Intel, Just Works. They get an F for marketing because there's no there's no logo and the font is just regular font. So, needless to say, just works. Logo does not works, because it doesn't exist. That's a moderate pun of the day. Leslie's We Know Pulls. M Fused. Phoenix Racing and NASCAR with NASCAR with the Pride logo. Which I again I, I've never I think I've seen one NASCAR race. I do know they turn to the left quite proficiently. I don't know if that's their core audience. But again, maybe they're trying to expand. One community, something with an M logo, a basketball logo, rocket companies, sneakers, rolled and ready, Southwest Center, Spectrum Medical, SRP, Coca-Cola, you know, Swire Coca-Cola USA, Walmart, and P T. And then, geez Louise, are there more? No, that's for the Pride Parade. Okay, so that's the... The one we just... We did cover the right sponsors. That is for this specific event. The other one, as this is a website for multiple events, the other one appears to be the Pride Parade, which, in that case, the premium sponsors Amazon, with the platinum being Bud Light, as well as Corona, which... Potato, potato. So, interestingly enough, that's a lot of logos, which, presumably, there's a lot of money to be made, is what I'm told. And it's what... Some of the demographic changes suggest. Now, in terms of Bud Light making a profit this year, that's debatable, to say the least. Again, they've lost about 30% of their sales week over week. Granted, that still means, I was going to say the glass is half full, but it's half full of Bud Light. So is that really worth, eh, eh, one of those things, is it really a good thing for that to be half full? Presumably, it'd be better spilled on the floor. Although it might, because of the erosion and toxicity of it, it might eat through your, linoleum flooring whatever flooring you prefer it might eat through it so i don't recommend putting on the floor nevertheless but again i don't know if this is it's presumably this was probably sponsored a couple months ago there's some events that you plan years in advance but because i think the i think they're leaning into the new demographic if you look at the demographics in the united states every generation on average and it's held true for the past, I believe, five generations, the percentage that identify as LGBT about double, every single generation. So, I, um, in terms of Bud Light being a long-term, I don't know if they did this intentionally, because again, they, they had a fire of 400 people marketing, I believe, they had Alyssa Hyderchild, she's on a paid, they're, they're calling it a leave of absence, because they're scared that she'll sue them in terms of the long-term viability of Bud Light, if that trend keeps going, do you think they'll make a profit with that? If all things equal, if the trends stay exactly on the same track, maybe, but at the same time, I don't know. And I know there's a lot of people who are politically left and people in the LGBT community who are boycotting Bud Light specifically because the business did not quote unquote stick with Dylan Mulvaney. So the boycott's being held by many people, not just people in the middle or on the right, but there are people on the left who are equally boycotting the business as well. And perhaps this is their idea to try to win back some of the audience who are alienated on the left from not sticking with Bill Mulvaney. So let me know. It's quite concerning. Obviously, there's alcohol and drag shows in front of children. So I shouldn't say obviously, because if it was obvious, it wouldn't be happening. So in terms of my anecdotal experience I never noticed this in the past and For my research, it wasn't really a big thing so to say, but let me know in the comments Do you think this will help Bud Light long term make a profit? Are they shooting themselves in the foot They're I'm not really when you look at their Twitter their YouTube their fa- Facebook You're not really seeing these events being promoted as much. Maybe I'm missing them or maybe they're deleting them but it doesn't seem like they're proudly really pushing these events on their own social media but then again, their logo is the first thing for this event. It will be, it, they're the biggest sponsor. They're spending a lot of money to do this event. And presumably when you're at the event, the logo will be everywhere. But why aren't they putting this on their social media? It seems like they're trying to be very political. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean like the politicians where you can never get a really or straight answer out of them, left and right. its It seems like Bud Light, they're trying to play both game, trying to win both angles, so to say. They're doing the cliche patriotic commercials which people politically speaking more on the right identify with and then they're doing these events which on average people on the left more identify with so they're doing both these marketing campaigns at once and then they're trying to buy your love back with a free beer promo which perhaps is the best example of how you can be a winner and a loser at the same time if you're to win one of those bud light sweepstakes which is the only way they've actually been able to tweet without having a overwhelming majority of the comments being pejorative and negative because Presumably, people have to use bots or something because most responses are all just people retweeting the free sweepstakes thingamajig so they could win, and I use that in quotation marks, some Bud Light beer, which, again, perhaps you can use it as a, as a doorstop or ballast. Like, if you do a little trip on a hot air balloon, it could be ballast. It's certainly a heavy object. Um, sure there's a... I'm sure there's more than two things you can do with Bud Light these days. Those seem to be the top two that I can think about the most. Let me know in the comments what would you do if you won a case of Bud Light? And then do you think this marketing campaign will increase sales of that growing demographic? And do you think it's appropriate to have alcoholic alcohol and drag shows in front of children who are getting in for free? So let me know in the comments. I short term, I think this. If this gets more media attention, which oddly enough, again, Bud Light's not pushing on their social media, I think it will hurt them in the short term. And I'm definitely concerned about the, you know, the children being there. I wonder if it will be good for them long-term. Let me know in the comments. I mean, again, their sales are down every week consistently by about 30%. But apparently, again, this is the sales figures talking, 70% of the people don't care. Or maybe they're getting it for free because they also have those little rebates where it's actually cheaper to buy Bud Light than to buy water, which some might debate is just as appealing as Flint, michigan lead water, but another topic for another time, perhaps. Other interesting cultural news, you have a 13-year-old boy using a gun to defend his mother and sisters from a violent home intruder who was high on methamphetamines. Yet, reason number 1 billion, no, 1 trillion 158, no, 158 trillion 958 billion 473 million 853,423 reason you should have a gun in the household But obviously being responsible cuz this literally made him equal to someone trying to harm the family which many would argue that's one of the biggest upsides and reasons to own properly own a firearm and this was covered by Fox News cuz of course, you're not going to see this on CNN or MSNBC unless they try to twist the, wor- turns, twist the words around and say, oh yeah, look at this gun violence, a, a child shot someone with a gun. This is terrible. Now, in this case, it's quite appropriate to say the least as it saved his family's life.
2: Hero boy fends off a burglary suspect shooting the intruder as he tried to break into his home. The protector of the home, the hero in this case, is a 13-year-old. His name is Luis and he's in eighth grade.
0: So, we should definitely remember the name Luis. All too often, especially in the United States, we always are having the most morally vacuous, evil people burned into our brains knowing their names as the, the media glorifies them and glorifies their terrible act by giving them free fame. Very few people actually take the time to remember the good men who stand out for our country and actually want to make a difference and protect people. So that's a trend I hope we could turn around. Let me know in the comments, do you think that, that probably, I think that'd be better culturally speaking for the United States when we applaud the heroes. And ignore the names of the evil perpetrators. That's just me.
2: He was home late Friday night with his mother and four sisters when a man tried.
0: Four sisters and mother. And someone's trying to break in the house. What would you
2: do? To break into their house, breaking a window, trying to force his way inside the home. Now, Luis and his mother both confronted this intruder. It was the mother that was armed, and she was also trying to dial 911 and call police. And when Luis saw his mother kind of struggling with the firearm, he is the one that took it from her hands and pulled the trigger, shooting that intruder in the abdomen and on in the arm, Phoenix police say they found 35-year-old Juan Saavedra with several gunshot wounds to his abdomen and right arm. Police say he admitted to breaking into the house and that he was high on methamphetamine at the time. He also told police he was trying to find the friend he had been doing drugs with earlier when he broke into the house. Saavedra was banging on a door, then shattered a window despite being warned to leave the property.
3: Savedra September 11, 1987.
2: Saavedra was treated and released from the hospital for his gunshot wounds. At his first court appearance, his only concern appeared to be getting out of jail. I'm
0: not gonna be released. If you
1: post your bond, you'll be
0: released. If you post your bond, you'll be released. Again, the United States justice system is mor- morally vacuous in many ways. Another prime example, they're releasing the perpetrator. Really? Have you just tried to do harm to all those people, a family inside there? Now, the only dying side of the situation is, this. Boy, he's only 13. If he was presumably 21 or older, I would buy him a drink appropriately to applaud him for his heroic actions. And this is yet another good example of the police in many areas, especially on a local level, some of them do fantastic things, especially in the community. But inherently, they are not there when you are in real dire danger most of the time. Can't help but think, thank God, this young boy did the right thing and protected his family. Needless to say, I would say he's now the man of the house. And it also goes to show you this rampant epidemic of drugs in the United States. Definitely not a positive thing. Now, anecdotally speaking, my family had a similar instance. The most ironic thing about escaping the hellhole of Cuba was going somewhere where some people might debate is worse. South side of Detroit. Many problems to say the least. very similar instance, my pregnant grandmother was at home with four of my relatives, so four children, and a meth had broken into the house. He was going towards her with a knife. Thank God my grandpa was there. He saw the perpetrator, said, put the knife down. Guy wouldn't do anything, wasn't listening. Kept moving forward, shot him in the leg. Said, stop, I'm going to shoot you again. Guy kept moving forward with the knife. And thank God he ended his life and protected the family appropriately. Well, of those instances where very, very few outlets will ever tell you about the upsides of gun ownership. Or the upsides of using them as intended to protect yourself and your family. And hopefully, throughout the years, we've seen more people like Luis who do the right thing when it matters the most. And when true character is tested. Let me know in the comments. Should we do more stories like this? Do you like to hear real-life examples? Of people using the farms to defend themselves and highlight the importance of why you should be properly trained, why you should own one. Let me know in the comments. We can make the show better together. Other interesting cultural news you have Disney claiming they will quietly quit the culture war. Okay, now this is after they've lost about $2 billion on entertainment between movies and little TV shows, or I guess more appropriately said these days disney plus shows two billion dollars lost about one would think they would hire better writers but no of course not They're, they just leaned into it more and more not only injecting morally vacuous content into it things that of course are also not appropriate for children but they also increase the cost ridiculously for all those marvel films which again will be appropriately displaced by ai I believe since every marvel film and pretty much every disney film Nothing more than rudimentary copy paste or a fun exercise at home with a little home scanner. It's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And every time you actually take a... um, Again, I apologize about the focus. There we go. Every time you do a copy of a copy, you actually degrade the image. A perfect metaphor for the Disney Corporation these days. As every remake flops ridiculously, they actually take the original film, remove the morals and values, toss them away, and insert insufferability. It's almost their specialty, some might say. With well, a new so-no-white film, that's during their debut, having no seven dwarves. There's going to be seven seven different people. But they're stealing the jealous from the dwarf community in that regard. going to have no prince, apparently. And I believe this is a wicked step queen around the movie. She's actually more attractive than the princess, so that plot point is out as well. She's not jealous anymore. And the actress hates the original art. She hates the original film. Rachel Zegler... Does perhaps, let me know in the comments, should we do an, an insufferable person of the year? So Very similar to this business blunder section we have at the end of the show. Perhaps we could nominate folks for insufferable person of the year and send them a trophy in the mail perhaps? it's not a terrible idea perhaps. Let me know in the comments if you would appreciate that idea. But getting back to Disney, and this is thanks to a content article over at Bound Into Comics. And looks like they had a couple experiences taking quotes with Bob Iger, who's the current CEO, and he claims his, quote, key goal is to quiet the noise because culture wars are not healthy for Disney's businesses. Unquote. It took a... Interesting. So so maybe... Oh, then they'll most certainly stop. I mean, Iger also replied... When asked for comment, additionally, Bob Iger said, quote, well, so far, what we've said publicly is that we are concerned that he has decided to reinstate against the company for position that the company took on pending legislation to the state. And frankly, the company was within its right, and even though I'm not sure it handled very well, it is within the right to speak up on an issue constitutionally protected, right of free speech, and to retaliate against the company in a way that would be harmful to the business it was not something that we could sit back and tolerate. And so, we have filed a lawsuit to protect our First Amendment there and protect our business, frankly." And this was when he was in comment of why the righty hell did he get involved in Florida politics when they were basically sitting on easy street. Very little to no regulation. They have very nice tax benefits. It was a huge part of the Florida economy. And then they decided to take a stand and decide, we want kids to be taught, we we want kids to learn about sexual themes when they're in their, you know, in their early teens or preteens actually. When people pejoratively referred to Ron DeSantis's legislation as "Don't Say Gay," when in the beginning I believe it was kindergarten through I believe sixth grade, they couldn't bring up any sexual topics. Which I can't help but think there's something wrong with a teacher if that infuriates them. Like some of these teachers, it's their hobby to I maybe mean, would say indoctrinate one or two people might say educate. I would say indoctrinate kids into sexual ideologies. If that really upsets a teacher. Do you think they're really concerning about the child's development in mathematics or science or history i would argue no because if you look at you know all the test scores in the united states public school systems those scores are down year over year and yet teachers unions say they deserve more money Another topic for another time perhaps so bob iger's saying the things like oh yeah we kind of had to it was, it was our first amendment well most businesses are not commenting on those things you chose to comment and then lean into it with a lawsuit now It looks like, he he continued to say, The other issues that you referenced, the last thing I want for the company is for the company to be drawn into any culture wars. You know, we've operated for almost 100 years as a company, making product that we could actually are proud of in terms of the impact to the world. I joke every once in a while since we're the manufacturer of fun. Unquote. They're they're certainly the manufacturer of something, don't get me wrong. He He continued to say, quote, I don't really want to engage in the specifics except to say it's not our goal to be involved in the culture war. Unquote. Our goal, and he continues, quote, Our goal is to continue to tell wonderful stories that have positive, positive impact on the world. You know, we're a preeminent entertainer of the world. We're proud of our track record here. The notion that Disney is in any way sexualized children is quite frankly preposterous and inaccurate. Unquote. I couldn't help but nearly burst into laughing with all his, well, I was about to say morally, mentally vacuous statements, since you've seen the evidence throughout the years. You've seen the movies where they're injecting those themes into the movies. And yet he's denying it here. I can't help but think the odds that they'll actually stop. Not zero, but perhaps 0.1%. I say this because you've had videos leak from Disney with many of the writers proudly talking about their gay agenda. Which, Alex Jones, I was going to say it is certainly, I do not encourage this to be a drinking game, but Alex Jones was right yet again. They were calling it a conspiracy, but now they're proudly putting it into the films and all that. They also were actually mandating employees bonuses and their actions based on their thoughts and ideals outside the office. And of course, those thoughts and ideals had to align with Disney the business and those many would call woke ideologies in order to get promotions and actually go anywhere in the company. Now, it didn't happen overnight in terms of hiring the people who believe in that, building out the culture. Sometimes building out a culture takes decades at some of these companies. So to say this is gonna stop, I don't believe that for a New York minute. And remember, wind back the clock about a year ago, Bob Iger was a successful CEO of Disney for over a decade. He trained his protege, Bob Chapek. Bob Iger then left the company. Bob Chapek took the reins as a CEO. Presumably, well, I was going to say, not, yeah, presumably, no, he did. Undef- inde- he absolutely ran the company into the ground, although perhaps a better metaphor for a Disney film would be running it, hmm, Disney? Perhaps having a Disney film, what's a good metaphor for Walt Disney? Having Mickey Mouse... He got caught on the glue trap. Well, that's pretty apt. I'll take that. So, Bob Chapek got Disney trapped on the glue trap. He raised prices of tickets to the parks, decreased the incentives for the people who hold memberships to the parks, increased the content that is controversial, thereby increasing their audience from everyone to a smaller audience inherently, and their stock crashed. Disney Plus, crashing. They still haven't made a profit on Disney Plus, their streaming platform. They claim they're getting close, and they might. But they've also cut more content than any other streaming platform as well, coming in at right under 40% of their content. That's a lot of cuts. Now, again, when Bob Iger came back, he said, hey, we're going to get out of politics. We're done with that. But this past year, they've had films that were inherently more politically based. They injected sexual themes into children's films and ideals which again, when you're doing that, you are appealing to an audience. It is just a much, much more narrower audience. Whereas prior, when I was a kid with Disney, it was thought to be very inclusive. Everyone could be at Disney. Now Disney, if you go to the parks and spend thousands of dollars to go there, they have full grown men wearing dresses, servicing little kids. Yet another action that is dividing your audience many people aren't going to be comfortable with those ideals and to me anecdotally speaking in terms of the dress code at disney there's no dress code now you can do whatever you want whereas back in the day i would argue to this day every man should suit up but in all seriousness for the parks specifically they weren't even allowed to have facial hair walt disney was very articulate and very strict on having everyone look as professional as possible clean shaven bright and early every day there are very high standards. Now it appears the standards have dropped so low, the bar is actually not just as the bar lowered, it's actually below ground, some might say. And everything else is also compounded to make the, show, make the stock drop precipitously. They're making way too many Star Wars films. People are bored of that by now. Same with the Marvel films. Also It also doesn't, doesn't help their case that they're all about the same. Hero comes in, big explosions, cliche joke that a robot could write, and then no one really dies. I just described 99% of Marvel films. I just saved you a lot of time. You no longer need to watch them anymore. So, and the cost of those films just keep going up and up and up. They even ruined Indiana Jones by injecting politics into it. So they have this huge staff. All these writers have this ideology Are they going to stop tomorrow because Bob Iger again claims, oh yeah, we're going to stop doing that. We're going to get out of the culture wars. No. It's not where the culture is as a company. It's not where the incentive structure is for the company. Of course they're not going to stop tomorrow. I think he's just trying to buy time to appease shareholders. They're desperately trying to get the company to make some money. He might even have to sell ABC and some of their traditional TV networks. Let me know in the comments, do you believe him this time? Because he's said this before. This isn't breaking news. When he first joined he was going to say, oh yeah, we're going to get out of it. And they did, not they doubled down. And they are losing money. A company that used to be considered a blue chip stock. This used to be considered a sure bet in the past. When you talk to investors and the historical trends of Disney. Now, not so much. So I can't help but think, sure, they're saying this, but do I actually think they're going to change the culture of the company and change the writing style to actually go for the wide audience of a majority of people again i can't help but think that little mickey mouse he's stuck in the, he's stuck in the glue trap pretty good and it's almost as if he's stuck and he's he's trying to get out of the glue trap and he actually just stepped on a mouse trap and the bar just came down and that bar coming down i believe will be bob Iger presumably being Perhaps ousted by the board of directors in the next 18 months. Again, they hired him to turn the company around. Look at the stock. Look at the financials. It's not going well. He had a long tenure before, and he did some great things before. Great acquisitions, but these days, a little mouse, little Mickey on the glue, glue trap. I would say his outlook, unfortunately, is not so good. Other interesting culture news, you have Bud Light, yet another week of footballs. But their tweet is, of course, ratioed in seconds and mocked relentlessly. Oh, Bud Light. So their text is, another week of football. Another reason to crack open one of our NFL team cans. And they have a picture. I feel bad for these teams. I can't decide if they're foolish to do this. Or maybe they're just desperate for cash. But Bud Light's paying them a pretty penny. You have the privilege to put their logos on their cans. And it looks like the five cans that they're very proud of in this advertisement are a bull, the Texas flag on it, a dolphin, presumably the Miami Dolphins, an arrowhead, presumably the Kansas Chiefs, you have SF, San Francisco, Although this is obscured, you can't really see it that much, so I don't know about their branding. And then they have a really bad looking Fal Eagle? No, no, the Falcons. Wow. Great logos. But in all moderate seriousness, it has oh yeah. And then a big bold font. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the NFL. Which again, not all the times, but more often than not, the official sponsors means they just gave them a lot of cash. And their their theory is, oh yeah, sports balls fans will see their logo on the can, they'll want to buy the Bud Light now, which I I don't know what the average IQ of folks in America is these days. But let me know, let me know in the comments. Does that influence your decision to buy a product when you see a sports balls team on it? Like, it doesn't change the taste of the beer in any way. And to me, that just seems silly, and I can't help but think this is gonna. It won't net them a profit from this marketing initiative. Now, oddly enough, and crazy enough, this is perhaps their most popular post in the past half year. Now, it looks like it got 1.4 million views in a single day. Which, they actually win the worst ratio in history, because it has to be. So, 1.4 million people saw that advertisement. Guess how many likes their are Of 1.4 million people who saw the ad, and Anheuser-Busch InBev, they have thousands of employees. Of the 1.4 million people who saw that, 308 liked it. That is one of the worst ratios I've ever seen. It's almost, well, it's highly improbable, it seems impossible to happen. That's 0.022% of people who saw that liked it. And when we go to the comments, I can't believe this. There, there might be a real comment or two that are positive. I almost don't believe it. We need to investigate. The first positive comment, which again, they're saying, oh yeah, the NFL right around the corner. Yolanda says, Ready. She got, of the 4,343 people who saw her her ready post, one person liked it. Which I also think is, might do a fact check on that. She's ready for a Bud Light. Is anyone truly ready for that negative experience? Does anyone really see that Bud Light and go, yeah, I, I'm ready? Like, I don't really know if anyone really authentically thinks that. Now go to her profile. She has 223 followers, joined in 2020. Reposting something stupid, reposting ways to make money, uh looks like she got money from a podcast. ah yeah, she's a serial reposter, okay, she says she does the reposting for the millions handle, which I think is a scam. It looks like the millions handle is one of those things where whoever retweets and does it might get we're gonna send we're gonna send a hundred dollars to someone who retweets these stupid things. So I guess she is a real person. She does have some real tweets, or in this case, I call it p- post. Though they're not very favorable, more often than not, she just wants to win sweet spakes. Also has someone by the name of Justina. She says, yes, let's go. Now she has 1,100 followers, so she's got some following. They're reposting for something called KBO. Reposting for a sports betting thing. Repost reposting for a tennis thing. Reposting for a wake in cash. Reposting for Nicki Minaj. Oh yeah, yeah. My opinion of her just precipit- precipitously fell dramatically. Reposting for San Francisco, the sports balls team. Retweeting, 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 retweeting. Again, someone who's a serial retweeter for free stuff. Though she does look like she's a sports balls fan. Okay. So two positive. Dear God, a third positive? I don't believe it. Someone saying by the name of Lorette Harrington says, Let's go with an emoji of a football and a Bud Light. 83 followers. All right, joined in 2023, April. Retweeting for some BS collectible. Retweeting for a toy thing. Retweeting a Budweiser advertisement. Retweeting a Philadelphia Eagle. Retweeting a giveaway alert. Oh, yeah, just retweet and you could win this crap. Okay, another retweet. A, re- a serial retweeter. Retweet and win a prize. Jeez Louise. Alright, where are the real ones? Alright, here's the... Re- and of course, they have one... Zero and one like. Yeah, zero and one like. And one like for the past three that we was talking about. Now, for the post that appear to be more real, you have somebody named Scotch, who is appropriately drinking a Scotch and a Coors Light. And his comment is, never again. Yeah, 46 likes. Of eighteen hundred views, now forty six likes. The other person got one like. A little math lesson here today for the public school system. That's forty six times more than the previous comment. I'm only really moderately joking, but we just added more value than some public school systems, which is saying something. Keep going through here. Someone up by the name of Drusky Sosa saying, "quote Formaldehyde," unquote. They got nine likes and one thousand seven hundred views. Someone by the name of Pony. Said, quote, good job ruining your brand. Thumbs up emoji. He got 97 likes out of 2,771 views. And looks like there are a lot of memes of Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, Someone by the name of Rob saying, quote, cracks open one? Should I get my nails done, WTF? With a little throwing up emoji. Presumably because they had a little drop of Bud Light land on their lips, which, wouldn't make sense, and they got thirty-three likes out of fifteen hundred views. We have someone. Oh yeah, Mister Johnny B Good says, "Quote: Next month's Phoenix Pride Festival is presented by Bud Light. Features the Sixers of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a group infamous for mocking Christianity. The Wokesters at hashtag Bud Light are doubling down. hashtag No Bud Light. hashtag Go woke, bro, bro, go woke, go broke." He got 22 likes out of 2,000 views. And a reliable commenter and pollster, Mr. Rich Mooney, or Money, rather, he says, and this is his poll, he says, quote, Does Bud Light part sponsorship of a drag anti-Christian Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence affect your beer choice? The two options being make mine Bud Light or no Anheuser InBev product for me. Of the 278 votes, we got... saying no Anheuser-Busch in bed for me. So you have 17.9% of people saying because Bud Light sponsored an anti-Christian drag show, they are going to buy a Bud Light product. Presumably this is because they're blocking people more and more and more. I can only see this because again, I have to use my company's profile or the Topping Show profile, not my personal profile because they blocked it because they had the audacity to say Thanks for reminding me to buy some and I had pictures of Yangling. And an American flag, which... The American flag, flag is probably the thing that pissed them off the most and caused them to subsequently block me. Now, let me see here. You have Rich Mooney also commenting with pictures on the Six Years of Perpetual Indulgence. And he got 33 likes at 3,000 views. Some by the name of Bobby saying quote, Transheiser Bush, unquote, having a picture of the the pride flag and I believe the trans flag. They, they change so often. I That needs to be an app because marketing is a fail because they change so often you don't know what they are anymore. But nevertheless, got 26 likes and 689 views. And then you have a lot of people getting between 7 and 15 views saying, No, still no, nah. I thought it was easy to be dragged, sorry. Hashtag leave the kids alone. No thanks, I don't support you guys anymore. Nope. Never again. No thanks, nope. Someone's saying, oh, this is kind of funny. Ed says, quote, easy, because no one's standing in line to get some, unquote. He did get seven likes out of the 374 views. So, yes. And he keeps. <laughs> and he has someone who had. All they did was just Mr. Live from 305. This person just responded with a GIF. And it had, I forget the actor, the doctor who is actually. The real doctor is actually an actor from the Hangover films. He just. It's the cliche where it's the classroom. And the guy just puts up his hands like he's going to yell. And he says, gay, huh? They got 64 likes out of 2,000 views. Oh, wow. I did find one positive one that was buried. Mr. Ryan said, quote, wish I could get a Chargers can in Canada. He got one like 28 views. So needless to say, as the youth would call it, they were viscerally ratioed as an overwhelming majority of the reposts, or rather the responses were all negative. And even with them trying to give away free beer to all the sports balls fans, it doesn't seem to be turning things around. Granted, it'll be fascinating to see the actual sales data because again, sports ball season is supposed to be the premier time to buy copious amounts of alcohol. Specifically, the light beers, especially popular, I suppose. And I can't help but think there will actually be an even worse sales week for the company. Now, let me know What are your thoughts? Are you more likely to buy a can of Bud Light because the logo is plastered on there? Do you think this is going to make them any money? Will they make a profit off this marketing initiative? With all the data we have right now, I would venture to say, no, not so much at all. Going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Murdoch to exit the news business. Now, Rupert Murdoch is perhaps infamous in the entertainment industry for making Fox news. And previously, Fox Studios. Before they subsequently sold it to Disney, as Disney buys damn near everything. Now it looks like he built the news empire from a local newspaper in Austria, or Australia rather, and just built it up throughout the years. Now Rupert Murdoch is set to leave his role as chair of the Fox and Fox News Corporation boards in November after spending seven decades building his global news empire. The 92-year-old will become chairman emeritus of the two companies, and his son Lakeland. Will become the sole chair of the news corporation and will continue as Fox's executive chair and CEO. Now, in a memo to the staff, Murdoch also said, quote, It's time, the time is right for me to take on a different role, unquote. But he promised he would, quote, be involved every day in the contest of ideas, unquote. Which, why retire now? You're 92, why not keep going? Like, it's one almost- of fascinating things where people think once they retire they'll go spend fishing they'll go on holiday they'll be happy but in reality most people unfortunately become deceased relatively quickly after they retire partially because especially for men there's a lot of fulfillment in having a job it's part of your who you are and what you do there's a lot of satisfaction in achieving goals in that way now again he's also leaving the company as they precipitously are crumbling into nothing after firing their top talent Now, a proven business idea also having to pay the largest settlement in media history with the dominion voting machines that coming in right under, a, I believe it was around $790 million for that defamation case, which they chose to settle. Not, they didn't want to go to court and argue it, which I was kind of shocked. They just, they chose to settle for a record amount as opposed to trying to attempting to fight it and more and more of their social standards and social messaging are politically on the left, which is alienating more and more of the traditional Fox news base of customers. And fans, so it looks like they're kind of circling the drain. Most people I know who previously tuned in, they're going to other news sources, following Tucker Carlson as he was the top personality. And I can't help but think, will it really change that much? It'll be interesting to see how much he inherited from his father in terms of morals, values, maybe business trainings. Will he try to take the company back in the older direction, and not just older in terms of the audience, but older in terms of the methodologies? Maybe will he try to hire Tucker back? It'll be interesting to see, but I can't help but think things are not so well. That that little fox, he's... I was going to say no one knows what a fox sounds like, but the little fox is stuck in a trap. And it doesn't know where it's going. It'll be interesting to see what, the, what will the fox do. And maybe we'll find out. What does the fox say? Not a question for another time, perhaps. Other interesting political news, you have DeSantis giving an interview to explain the differences between him and Trump. Now, this is another little video posted by by the DeSantis War Room on the Twitter, or I guess nowadays it's just called The X, which, let me know in the comments, is that a marketing fail for Elon Musk to change the company name to, he's, he's had that domain, he's loved that name ever since he started the businesses and his entrepreneurial journey back in the day, and this is his dream child to have all the apps built into one, but... Do you think he should have just kept it as Twitter? You don't even tweet anymore, you just post. And the bird is is gone. But nevertheless, this is from the DeSantis Worm. And the quote before the video is: quote, age decide what's the biggest difference between you and Donald Trump, unquote. And it looks like to be an interview with ABC News Live. And without further ado, we should play. And if you do have suggestions for software for picture-in-picture production software, I would greatly appreciate it. I've tried a couple out as previously explained if you're watching a long film of the video. And I've had nothing but issues with the camera crashing when the only way it will work is if I use a very low resolution rudimentary camera, which unfortunately I want to try to keep the quality increasing rather than decreasing. So if you have comments, suggestions, really appreciate the feedback.
4: Debate is one week from today. You're going to be on that debate stage. Uh, it doesn't seem likely that Donald Trump will be age decide What's the biggest difference between you and Donald Trump? Well, first
1: he, should, he owes it to people to be there. Uh, He owes it to people to to make the case and to defend his record. Uh, You can't be just not showing up to these things. So he does owe it to that. Um, You know, look, in terms of, look, we've got a lot of differences. I mean, you know, he was born to great wealth. I'm a blue-collar kid that had to work minimum wage jobs to get where I was. Um, You know, he did, obviously, a lot young in business. You know, I I volunteered to serve in Iraq and serve in the military. Uh, I could serve two terms. He would be a lame duck on day one. Uh, I ran 16 points better than him in Florida in my most recent race than he did in his most recent race. I've also delivered on these America First policies more than I think anybody in the country and would have uh, a much better chance of actually delivering all this as president. So so I think that there's a, there's a lot of things that people can look at. Uh, but I'm going to be there. We're going to talk about the country's future. We know the country is in a state of decline. We've got to reverse that decline, uh, and we need to restore this country to the greatness it deserves. Everybody who wants this job has a responsibility to step up there and make their case.
0: What are your thoughts? Yeah, kinda. It's one of the things where in my three cents, you know, moving on to the chessboard. One of the biggest things you really need to emphasize is, I can win. That's what he should be saying. He should bring up the simple fact, in 2020, Trump lost. I can't, that's why he, he needs to be saying, I can win. The other points are good and on an emotional rhetoric level, they will resonate with some folks, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, Trump was born wealthy, but he also built an empire. Granted, he got a big loan from his father, but certainly he took some skill to build that huge empire that he had in a myriad of different re, um, revenue streams. And again, I think it's good for DeSantis to lean into the veteran angle. That is a unique experience, I believe, in terms of a lot of the other nominees for the republican nominee they don't have that background so that's good i would I think that'd be a good one. but he's just come out and say this the simple fact trump lost in 2020 i can win that's what he needs to emphasize now will people believe him that's that's the other issue the kind of cliche but i always say he's done some great things in florida he has a great track record but he needs a couple cans of red bull or some copious amounts of caffeine to really get energized He's had that issue when he gets in front of the camera before, which is why I partially think if you look at his particular social media, they do have a couple videos on his profile or his individual Twitter or X profile, but it's, it's a lot of still images. Because I think for marketing purposes, he looks better in photo versus video. And let's see what the comments say in terms of going viral, it got about 123,000 views in one day. So not great, a little bit better than average. And his personal profile has been doing a little better, getting a couple, a couple hundred views, or sorry, I mean, a couple hundred thousand views, as opposed to a couple of weeks ago, when is a lot lower. We're talking 20 to 30,000 views, 40,000 views. So they're increasing their capabilities on social network. Of course, we can always debate how much does that translate into votes? You have some politicians who are roasted on social media 24-7. Ted Cruz comes to mind, but he kept getting reelected. So, again, there's different people, not everyone chooses into social media, there's a, a little bias there. But what are people saying about this particular response? Looks like one of the first top responses is from Digisass, presumably a very sassy person. Now this person says, quote, Trump was President Ron. We know his record and it's better than yours. This person got three likes out of 242 views. You also have someone by the name of Low Carb Studies, which it's a good thing to study. This person has an article from The Guardian, which the headline says, DeSantis Falls in fifth in New Hampshire poll in latest campaign reverse. That person got 11 likes and 308 views. Now, interestingly enough, it looks like someone responded to him, got this equal number of likes, someone by the name of Neptune, which with, they, they do have a pretty appropriate campaign, or in this case, profile picture, which is just the planet. That makes sense. This person responded to the Guardian article saying propaganda, and he references Ron polling I wonder what that's about. But A-plus for marketing, you pretty presumably know what they do. Ron Poling says, 2024, New Hampshire Republican primary. DeSantis in at 38%. Nikki Haley at 17%. Chris Christie at 14%. Rob Swamy at 10%. Bergham at 7%. Trump at 9%, Scott at 4%, Pence at 1%. And then you note that it is a, it looks like a poll of 1,800 users or 1,800 registrations. What do you call people to take a poll? 1,850 people who have a lot of time on their hand. And it was taking place between September 8th and September 14th, margin of error, or party affiliation, 31% Republican, 29% Democrat, 40%, is that really 40% independent? And the margin of error was plus or minus 2.26%. So again that's again it's all about the data and in that specific poll it sounds like they're polling quite a, a lot of democrats well for the republican primary more often an overwhelming majority of the time presumably you're having republicans go vote for that. So I don't know if that's an apples to apples. it doesn't seem like an apples to apples comparison but we scroll down and we see other comments coming in and, uh, let's see, Some, someone by the name of Willie saying, quote, biggest difference is Trump's winning and Ron's fifth now, unquote. And this person got 10 likes and 327 views. Interestingly enough, let's see, somebody by the name of Judy says, quote, you're right. If he's running for president, we want to hear you debate, unquote. This person's got 11 likes and 181 views. So look, I'd say about maybe 50, 50 in the comments. And he does bring a good point. Trump may or arguing should get on that debate stage. Many people speculate there won't even be a presidential debate for the 2024 election. Either they're guessing if Biden makes it to that time He's either going to say, "Well, Trump is," you know, "he's convicted of all these things." I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to presumably debate someone who's being has all these allegations against them, or he'll just note that say, "Hey, Trump wasn't at the other debates. He didn't show up. Why should I show up now?" Which, again, yeah, there's a little merit to that second or the latter more than the former. The former, he's still innocent until proven guilty, and he's having his days in courts. But the downside in terms of moves on the political chessboard is not there's really no upside for Trump doing it. I mean he's winning most of his polls by double digits. Some coming in at a 30% delta between DeSantis and Trump. So there's not a lot of upside for him to go to the debates. Granted, I think we still need some answers from Trump, specifically his specific articulate game plan of what he's going to do different during this election cycle when there are some things that are consistent. I mean, all odds are it's going to be Trump versus Biden again. So... Again, what will he do differently to win this time? Because last time he didn't. And the thing he constantly brings up is it was rigged. And many will agree that the media was certainly rigged. It actually was a poll after the election where they asked people, hey, if you knew about the Hunter Biden thing, would that change your vote? And I believe 10.8% of people polled said yes, they would change their vote based on that alone. That story was suppressed by all the major social media companies before the election when it was leaked. And the CIA or the FBI, one of the three other acronyms, they had 51 people. 51 experts swear that it was just, just, just different information. Yeah, those 51 people are also known as liars. But again, what is he going to do differently this time? And in terms of DeSantis, I think he keeps, again, keep highlighting the differences. But I think he needs to highlight the track record of he one Florida, which was an achievement in and of itself, and say how they're going to win. the end of the day that's you know that's what people are looking for who's going to win let me know in the comments do you think this increased your perception of desantis decrease or about the same other interesting political news you have vivek on sean Hannity interviewing to restore the american dream cutting washington headcount by 75 percent i was gonna say we're 33 or 34 trillion dollars in debt Someone might think he should probably cut spending someday. And that goes for everyone in D.C. And it looks like this is posted originally by someone by the name of Keno the, Keno the Great. And for once I actually wasn't stuttering. That's the person's name, Kenno Keno the Great. As I attempt to try to fix that issue of my stuttering. As well as my articulation throughout the show. And it looks like he has a little bit of quite a few texts before. So, Mr. Kenno Kenno the Great says, quote, Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy talks about restoring the American dream, Biden being a puppet of the administrative state, and bringing a 75% headcount reduction in Washington, D.C. You'll remember it with Don Lemon, the, that last interview that he did with me, one of the last things he did before he got kicked off the air, so we're doing services through this campaign. I think 80% of people in this country agree with the American dream, the idea that you can get Ahead in this country, not by the color of your skin, but the content of your character. And half of the 20% of people younger than me, who never learned those ideals in the first place, we're going to have to bring them to them. Now, I I stopped that quote because it looks like it's an actual, exact transcript of the actual show. So, I'll actually just go ahead and show it. And again, I appreciate your patience. And if you have suggestions for software for in real production... Putting picture in picture, I appreciate it because again I've tried a couple. The camera keeps crashing, so I'm trying to find a better solution. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. As I play the clip now.
3: Good to see you, chef, man. How are you? Right. Good, Good to see you. It. Good to see you. I've noticed as time has gotten on, you've come under more fire. What do you think that is? Well, look, I think
4: that it's politics. Yeah. At the start of this race, I was at zero point zero percent in the polls. Nobody cared about me in the race. Now we're verging on second and third in most national polls, and you're going to run for U.S. president. If you can't handle the heat, you stay out of the kitchen. So I can handle the heat. And it, my view, Sean, is we talk to all media, left-wing media, right-wing.
0: Ah, uh, he missed out on a perfect joke. He should have had something to the effect of, "Of course I can handle the heat. My family's from India." Like, oh, lost opportunity. Needless to say, his stand-up career is not starting tonight.
4: Media, no-wing media. If I'm not willing to sit across the table from the people who disagree with me, then I'm not willing to sit, ready to sit Why across the table. Why would you want to sit next to
3: the jackasses of fake news <laughs> CNN or MSDNC? Don't you feel like you're wasting your time? By the way, not many people are watching fake news CNN.
4: You know, the fact of the matter is there are times when I feel that way, but I'm not running to lead a political party, Sean. Well, if I'm are going to be lead a be, nation. You want to be watched. Well, you know what? I, I think that my view is... We have to talk to the people who disagree with us because every time we do it, we show up and we win. You'll remember with Don Lemon, that last interview that he did with me was one of his last ones before he got kicked off the air. So we're doing services through this campaign. So you got Don Lemon fired. That's what the New York Times said. Yeah. You know, I... I think it's very
3: complicated to be a conservative. I think we believe in limited government, lower taxes, more for individual freedom. Amen. You know, look at the things we want. We want secure borders, we want law and order, safety and security, Yes. we want energy independence, we want constitutionalists on the bench, we believe in peace through strength, um, and, and, and then leave
4: us the hell alone. That's about That's right. It's not that hard. And you know what, Sean, here's the real thing in the country that's not even a Republican versus Democrat idea. Those are basic American ideals. I think 80% of this country agrees on the ideals that you just listed. The American dream, the idea that you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character. I think 80% of people in this country agree on that. And half the 20 are people younger than me who never learned those ideals in the first place. We're gonna bring them along too. And if we do, Sean, I think we can win the 2024 election in a landslide with a multi-ethnic working-class coalition, leave no state left behind, no city left behind. I think that's the opportunity with this failing president from the economy to the poorest border. This is our opportunity. If we have the courage to actually stand up for our own vision, that's how we win. deep and profound. The Republican
3: Party has to be the party of working men and women. Yes. I believe that. It also has to be the party that brings minorities on board yes. that have been lied to and, frankly, disappointed regularly by the Democratic Party. They have been failed. The schools are failing, uh, and, no doubt about it. I'll tell you in it,
0: One of the prime examples that I think they should really highlight throughout these political campaigns and the debates, Chicago. But you cannot blame Republicans at all for what happens in Chicago. They haven't had control in about 92 years. And many of the policies in Chicago, people are campaigning on the Democratic side of wanting to replicate on a federal level, which again, why would you want that, logically speaking? Well, I just made the mistake of trying to have logic and politics, you know, mixed together and usually kind of like oil and water. They usually don't. But if I, was, I think Vivek should really start to drive that point home.
1: I have finally them
4: story. safe and secure? Sean, so I've gone to places like the south side of Chicago or kensington oh, right I mean, in my in the mind. city of philadelphia yeah. you didn't get shot in this campaign well
0: great but, minds think alike
4: i mean i've been to third Sad. world countries I mean, growing up pathetic. you go to the third world you want to where you go go to kensington and philadelphia today but here's what i saw on the south side of chicago 90 percent black group supposedly mostly democrat that is room that fully agreed with me on militarizing the southern border on ending that border crisis that is impacting their community every bit as much as republican communities across this country and so, America first includes America, all America Americans, America. that's what
3: I said. I agree. Hmm. America should not be suffering under Biden's economy, his idiotic energy... That
0: would be a good shirt. Vivek should start making those shirts. Includes... That could be a winning campaign slogan. Everyone kind of needs a cliché campaign slogan throughout the years, and you kind of do have to boil all of the topics and all the ideas down to a single sentence, as crazy as that might sound. For marketing purposes, more often than not, that works.
3: We shouldn't have open borders. You know, we need law and order. These are the basics. These are all all preventable problems that he caused. Why do you think
4: he chose that path? Well, look, I want to say something about Biden and why I don't talk about him that much on the campaign trail. I don't even think he's really the one running the country, Sean. I think he is a puppet for the managerial class in the administrative state. And you mark my words, when I'm the nominee, they're not going to let him run against me. It's going to be the next puppet that they trot out. So we have to recognize that this is a broken system. We have to stand up to that managerial class, shut down those three-letter agencies. It's not Biden that's alone the problem. It's the three-letter agencies and the deep state. We have to get in there and shut it down. But the upper echelon tend to control everything. The managerial class. And so, yes, there's 25% of people in those agencies who are doing important work. But I think that we have to downsize the government significantly. 75% headcount reduction. That's what I'm bringing to Washington, D.C. I was
0: gonna say, a perfect time to check that national debt clock. 33 trillion dollars. One would think someday you'd probably, you know, decrease the headcount, cut the spending a little bit, be fiscally responsible, but no, no, I was going to say those those ideas are too radical or too too out there for Washington. Now, it looks like within 2 days that got 800,000 views. So, quite a popular tweet, or I guess these days you call it a post because they changed Twitter to X. Although the URL is still Twitter.com, it's called X, and you post, you do tweet. I'll catch up with the vernacular someday, perhaps. Now, it looks like some of the top comments include Mr. Global Media CEO, quote, I want Trump and Kennedy and Tulsi. Vivek is cool, but I don't know, something isn't working for me about him, unquote. This person got 23 likes and 3,455 views. Now, granted, Kennedy will never get anywhere. Not that I don't like him, or not that I don't think he doesn't have one or two good ideas, But the DNC, or Democratic Party, they use superdelegates. So at the end of the day, they're going to get what they want, not necessarily what the people want, which is why Bernie Sanders, who did get lots of votes, didn't go anywhere politically speaking. We also have someone by name of a dad. He looks like a dad, so I'd say apt, appropriate name for his Twitter profile. Mr. Dad says, quote, Amazing interview. My favorite was half the remaining 10% weren't taught the ideals. Vivek hits it out of the park every time I've seen him interviewed for the last three years before running. Great work. Keep plugging. A great message like a conservative JFK in his youthful and energetic presence matched with eloquent speech. Well done, sir. Well done. Now, this person got 17,000 views, and he also got 156 <laughs> likes. So, needless to say, that is thus far. That looks to be the most popular response to the video. Now, you also have a couple other folks. You have someone by the name of William Brown, saying, quote, man speaks a lot of common sense, unquote. He's got 23 likes and 2,373 views. Now, you have someone by the name of Robin Valencia saying, quote, Vivek is running the campaign that Ron DeSantis should have run. No wonder Vivek is in second place in most polls. This person got 89 likes out of 3,575 views, which is a sentiment I've heard from a couple other folks as well, and I think there's a lot of merit to that. It's one of those things where Vivek is killing it, as the youth might say, on social media and doing more interviews than you could possibly imagine. DeSantis isn't even close when it comes to the frequency of interviews and just getting the word out there. Vivek is even going on a myriad of podcasts as, as well, which I think will shape this election as more and more people are starting to shift their viewing habits from the traditional abc cnn's fox news to more streaming platforms when you have things like spotify i was about to say rumble and even on twitter itself so i think that's going to be a big shaping mechanism for this election now you have someone by the name of ken therox saying quote we have to stand up to the managerial class and shut down those three-letter agencies. Unquote. It looks like he has a meme of, meme of Vivek with laser eyes. You got 103 likes. And the respond, someone responded to that with a gif of the Star Wars crew going like that. Kidding. It's actually Galactica. Okay, no, it's, Star, it's Star Trek. Google told me, and Google doesn't lie, of course. Let's see here. Now you do have a couple more disagreeing. So you have Mr. Ron Hargrove saying, quote, everything he is saying is too perfect. So great. Is it possible that he is a NWO shill that promises all the perfect things that we want to hear just to get into office and then do the exact opposite later? Look at this big pharma WEF past. Now this person got 22 likes out of a thousand views. And someone responded to that by the name of Copperhead. Though, false advertisement, this person have a profile picture of a snake. So pathetic. That's not good marketing. Nevertheless, this person, Mr. Copperhead, said, quote, I, th- I think the same thing. He's kind of swarmy. Now, he did get one singular like for that particular viewpoint. Going down here, someone by the name of PDB said, quote, this is his interview for vice president, unquote. So he's got 51 likes and 5,000 views. And there is a lot of sentiment around that in terms of, I think a lot of people think he would be an exceptional vice president candidate. And right now with Trump having such a big lead over all the other primaries, on all the other potential nominees, there's a lot of speculation of, well, will Trump choose him? Trump's also been very friendly to a political leader, I forget her name at the moment, but in South Dakota. So there's a lot of speculation on what could happen if vivek is not able to get the actual nominee for the republican party it'll be interesting to see let me know do you think his message is going to resonate with more people in the middle as when it comes to moves on the political chessboard you do need to focus on the middle and gaining those people to your side of the argument it'll be interesting to see but as i always say time shall tell other interesting political news you have the united auto workers increasing the strikes exponentially Against GM and Slantis, aka Chrysler, but not so much on Ford. Now this is coming as it's gone on for a couple days in regards to the actual strike. Now this is coming where the UAW contract—it's a I believe it's every four years—they have the contract with the Big Three. The Big Three being Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler. And back in the day, they were quite literally the Big Three. I mean, look back in history at the 40s and 50s. They were one of the largest automotive companies on the planet and still a couple of them are still are. There really wasn't much competition and they actually made high quality vehicles. And back then they could pay the unions copious amount of monies because they're making lots of profit. Very little competition. But throughout the years, competition reared its head and the free market said, oh yeah, we're going to choose these cars that cost less and are more reliable. And consumers frequently went over to companies like Toyota, as well as Honda, which are also making cars in the United States more economically, because the labor is more economical, as well as the quality being pretty far superior on most levels, and most, most surveys would agree, with a Toyota being damn near bulletproof, lasts about a quarter of a century and a million miles if you get the internal combustion engine Toyota. It's hard to beat that reliability. Now, it looks like, and I'm not too surprised that they're easing up on Ford in terms of, historically speaking, Ford has the greatest number of employees who are members of the United Auto Workers. They also pay a little bit more than the competition, and they've kept more factories in the United States throughout the years. So, on average, there's been more of a warmer relationship between the United Auto Workers as well as Ford. Now, this is the first time in about 80 years where you have all three UEW divisions, or members, striking at once in terms of the three. There's people striking at Chrysler, or Stellantis. You have people striking at General Motors, and you have people striking at Ford simultaneously. Now, strategically speaking, Sean Fain, the president of the UAW, he was elected and the whole union wanted to strike. He did polls. They asked people like, do you want to go to strike? If we don't get the $80 billion they wanted from each of the big three manufacturers over the four year term of the contract, that number also estimated to be up to $100 billion in not just cash, but also benefits, as they fight for a 32 hour work week, but paid for 40. a 40% increase into their wages. They want pensions back. They want retiree benefits back. They want cost of living adjustment in addition to a 40% increase on their salary. And the big three did the calculations they realized, oh yeah, we got a business if we did that. And by the way, right now, before any contract negotiations, their cost of labor is already in much more than the competition, including Tesla. And if you look at the 10K statements, you look at the financial statements of all these companies, as well as the What their ceos are saying from the big three they want to compete with tesla they think they can beat tesla at their own game of being an ev manufacturer i think i'm kind of skeptical in terms of my outlook when it comes to that statement but that's what they want to do and it's going to cost a lot of money to actually go there and uaw is pretty intimidated because you'll need less labor to make an ev and you're gonna need more high skilled labor in terms of you're gonna need computer science degrees so they're gonna need different skill sets that aren't traditionally with uaw Now, that's what caused the big three and negotiations to fall apart. And that last minute, there was no agreement. So they started the strikes and the UAW, cleverly, they decided to kneecap the companies by doing partial strikes. Now, that's clever because when they do a strike, they pay their employees or they pay their union members who pay a company's amount of dues to the UAW. In addition to, you know, bribing, I mean, the UAW getting politicians elected with millions upon millions upon millions of dollars of political donations, they also have a strike fund of about $820 million. So, when there's a strike, they pay the members about $500 per week. So, that way they don't have to suffer as much as they're standing around with the, or out there with the picket signs. And they do a partial shutdown of the factories. So, only maybe five employees from the factory, specifically with Ford, is the Ford Bronco factory. They just took off the employees who are working on the final assembly, and I believe the paint. Well, with those employees there, that won't work. In terms of the factory, they can't make the vehicle. Which would be detrimental for all 18 people who still want to buy a Ford. I kid, I know, there's like 23 people. Kind of kidding. But nevertheless, the factory can't function. Apparently they didn't cross to train their employees properly, maybe. That's my speculation. So, when the UAW decided to do the partial shutdowns at those strategic factories, the big three, Ford, GM, and Chrysler said, all right, well, the factories aren't making money. They're actually costing us money right now. We can't finish the product. What's the point of making the vehicle there? So they laid off the place and shut down those associated factories. And I say shut down, I mean, it's not a permanent shutdown. They're just temporarily closing the doors, it seems. Now, specifically, it looks like, this is from an article from CNN. This is from a statement from the president of the UAW, Sean Fain. And it's one of those things where, I do appreciate all the comments and your experiences are highly fascinating. I always say more data, the better. The interesting thing about Sean Fain Big fan of censorship. All his videos, the comments are locked down. And the only ones in which my videos are locked down is when YouTube overrides me and the censorious company or censorship-loving company, YouTube, they actually lock it. So in my comment section, my default is allow all comments, even ones that are vulgar and pejorative. And there are usually a couple of those. You could probably spot them quite well. Any positive constructive feedback is appreciated, however. Now, UAW President Sean Fade made an announcement Last Friday morning saying, quote, at noon Eastern today, all parsed distribution centers at General Motors and Stellantis will be on strike. He continues to say, quote, we will shut down parsed distribution until those two companies come to their senses and come to the table with a serious offer. Wow. And by serious offer, he means one that is that will presumably cripple the companies financially, because again, they're, the only thing they've conceded again, they want a 32 hour work week, but paid 40 hours. So they conceded instead of a 40% increase in their wages, they, they think they think they're being reasonable. They offer 36. That's the only concession I've seen. And if you see more, let me know in the comments. I've looked around at different websites. So far that's the only concession to be seen from the UAW. So they want billions upon billions upon billions of benefits. At the same time, these companies are trying to pivot into new technologies and new products to go against the big behemoth that is is Tesla. And don't forget, China's EV production is increasing exponentially. That company, as soon as those imports come, it's gonna be a hard time to compete with them. Now, Shane did say that they had some improvements from offers from Ford, and that is why they are not having an additional strike at Ford. Now, it looks like the strike will expand. Wow, that's quite a bit. A lot of employees are gonna be on vacation. So it says, quote, we want to recognize that Ford is serious about reaching a deal, unquote, from Sean Fain. They continue to say, the strike will now expand to GM and Solanches' 38 parts and distribution centers spread across 20 states. The distribution centers generally send parts to the dealerships to be used for repairs, so the move could be to cripple the dealership's ability to repairs, which is the most profitable part of their business, unquote. Oh, interesting. I thought it'd be more strategic in the fact that it would be parts for the new vehicles. Now, interestingly enough, this also is another Achilles heel that's hurting the big three is the dealerships. Tesla, not only do they have cheaper labor, more reliable product, well, short-term, long-term EVs are basically disposable with the current technologies we have, but they also have the dealerships that add, add a lot of cost. And for many people, they don't appreciate the dealership experience. It's pejorative and usually negative to say the least for most people. So increased costs, increases the friction, which for the customer buying experience, which they do not find palatable. And Tesla just transacts a new sale like that. And again, at the time, that was a revolutionary thing for the automotive community. Now you see most startups, especially EVs, they have that similar business model. Now the downside is you're locked in like a smartphone. Your friend, Bob the independent mechanic, he's not gonna be able to repair the supercomputer on wheels, not because he's not technologically proficient, or he can't learn the new technology, it's because the technology is locked in. Like a smartphone so in my two cents i appreciate having the ability to repair my own things with third-party capabilities so this will be interesting now gm commented saying that the strike was quote-unquote unnecessary but it continued to but it will continue to bargain in good faith they continue to say quote today's strike escalation by the uaw's top leadership is unnecessary we have contingency plans for various scenarios and we are prepared to do what is best for our business our customers and our dealers we will continue to bargain in good faith with the union to reach an agreement as quickly as possible, unquote. Now, when it comes to Ford comments, Ford said, quote, Ford is working diligently with the UAW to reach a deal that rewards our workforce and enables Ford to invest in a vibrant and growing future, unquote. <laughs> no, that's uh, quite literally the opposite. The antithesis of the statement is true. There's less resources to invest into your bleeding company. When I say bleeding company, Ford is bleeding precipitously from their Ford E, their EV segments, with their product being the Mo- Mustang Mach-E, which has nothing to do with the Mustang except name only. That division is losing money a candle hand over fist. They thought they would break even with that soon, but not so much. Ford Blue, the original Ford, that's the one you and I love, that one that actually has internal combustion engines like the V8 and three pedals, also known as the main transmission with the real Mustang, That's called Ford Blue. That's what's making all the profits for the company. So you have Ford Commercial, Ford Blue, and Ford EV. And EV is where they're making a majority of their new investments. And right now, they have a lot less investment money depending on how much they give these companies and rather how much they give the UAW. And again, this is a four-year contract. And the the price never goes down. It's one of those things where the only time it's ever gone down is when the UAW was a contributing factor to the companies going bankrupt, specifically at Ford as well as Stellantis. And they did give up some things in terms of they were in the 2009, well, 2008 recession, 2009 bankruptcy for those two companies. They did give up some incentives that they had with Ford, partially because they had to because the company was on precipice of going bankrupt. They got lucky with a big loan that was very conveniently timed for them to stay in business. Now, it'll be interesting to see what the dealers do throughout the process because there's already been friction between the dealerships as well as the actual parent companies or the real, it's actually independent business, the big three, because customers are not happy that they're putting a market adjustment on vehicles of $10,000, $20,000 plus over list price. And it used to be, you know, back in the day, as some might say, MSRP was for chumps. No one actually paid the MSRP, which is the manufacturer suggested retail price. It was always known that you would pay below that. Paying MSRP used to be audaciously unusual. It was only reserved for very niche products or like a very specific limited edition of a vehicle. Most people never paid MSRP. Now people are paying market adjustments of 5, 10, 20, 50 grand plus. And again, those are the dealerships doing that. Consumers are not happy, but legally speaking, there's only so much the companies can do in terms of the Fords of the world, the GMs and Chryslers. So it'll be interesting to see. What concessions are really giving up on both sides? Can they get in the middle? And then now what are the dealers going to start doing? Although thankfully I have a Honda, so, you know, not only will it statistically be less likely to break, but if I need parts, I can just get parts. Let me know in the comments. Do you think, it sounds like Ford is getting close to an agreement. How much longer do you think the strike will go on between the UAW as well as General Motors and Stellantis? Which again, Stellantis is the new parent company. Because they went bankrupt so bad, European conglomerate had to buy them out. They own what it was Chrysler, which also owns Jeep as well as Dodge. So, let me know. Do you think it'll go on for a couple of weeks? Months? Half a year? It's a good time to strike. Actually, it's a good time for the big three in terms of the timing of the strike. Not a lot of demand for cars these days. Record high interest rates. A lot of people are trying to make their dollars stretch longer or farther. And again, the average price for a new car in the United States is about 50 thousand dollars tesla has gotten a price point where their tesla is now cheaper than an average price of a new car in the united states now don't get me wrong tesla is basically disposable because it's an ev so after a certain amount of years batteries could put batteries worth more than the car well not the best roi if you want an roi buy a toyota with a internal combustion engine last damn near a million miles in a quarter century pretty good roi in terms of reliability but let me know in the comments i greatly appreciate your experiences if you're from the uaw What's one what or two things you have to have or a non-negotiable that you really want to get back? Is it the cost of living expenses? Is it the 36% wage increase or the four year term of the contract? What are a couple of things that you really will not give up? And what are some things that you're kind of confused? Why is Sean, the president, pushing for this specific benefit? Is that something you may not value as much? And if you work at you know, one of the big three, it'd be fascinating to hear your perspective. Do you think they're asking for too much? Do you, I'd love to hear, again, maybe an anonymous accountant at the big three give us a cost breakdown of what these certain initiatives would cost. I'm fascinated to hear experiences, and I appreciate all the commentary. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, and unfortunately, it's uh, not the best one. An infant swing is being recalled due to the chance of suffocation. Now, it looks like the recall involves a company by the name of Honey Joy Company, which, eh, what a B minus for marketing. Sounds like something you'd buy your husband, like a like a crappy fishing hat or something. Nevertheless, it appears Honey Joy actually makes children toys and accessories, or more accurately, children's swings. So they make an infant swing by the inspiring model name of BB5569USGR in gray, as well as BB5569US-BE in beige. Do do they they have anyone in marketing? Even small companies have someone who works in marketing. I don't know if they think they're BMW with a model name as opposed or a model nomenclature in terms of a number and a letter instead of a name. But are you inspired to buy that product? The BB5, I'm not even going to say it again because it's so odd, it's ridiculous. But they claim that these are, well, they are made with metal and plastic with a cloth seat. And it looks like the swing measures 60, tw- or not 28 inches wide, 20 inches high, and 24 inches wide. The, well, I guess it does have a name, the Baby Joy. I was going to say, C, C- for marketing. Baby Joy? Couldn't you just call it Baby Swing? Or Swing Chair? Something like Something to tell me what the product actually is. Anything. Joy is very, that's a wide threshold of whatever, it could be anything. But nevertheless, the Baby Joy is displayed on the front of the swing on the seat label. The infant swing includes a head pillow, a five-point restraint system, canopy with hanging toys, a music function, and adjustable seat. Jeez Louise, it's like a car. Back in my day, you had a, you a blanket and sit on the ground? Jeez Louise. All right, looks like the infant, looks like the swing can be powered by AAA batteries or an AC adapter and included a remote control with Bluetooth functionality. Jeez Louise. The full model number can be found on the packaging with instructional literature identifying the model BB5569 and a product registration card, which the custo- customers may have saved for the, rec- for the records identified as the model as 5569. No, BB5569US. Which, no one keeps those cards. That's useless. I mean, majority of people when they get product literature, they'll sometimes read a little bit, depending on what it is. If it's like a wireless mouse, no one's reading that. But, and it is to say, you're going to identify it by the actual sticker that's on it, or the name. But nevertheless, it appears some of the things attached and all the things hanging down to actually suffocate the child. Now, thankfully, it does not appear as if this is a deadly issue in terms of there have not as far as i can tell seen any reports about the recall but again having something that's designed for a child not be safe which is again the number one thing you need for a child design product that is certainly the business blunder of the day thank you everyone again for taking the time to tune in today again i know it's ambitious but trying to get to four thousand subscribers by the end of september so if you can click that button i'd greatly appreciate it also friendly reminder we're giving away a free flamethrower with every september purchase at toppingtechnologies.com see the website for additional details Also, don't forget to take the time to like and comment. The feedback is greatly appreciated, especially if it's constructive. And again, I'm trying to find a better software to do picture-on-picture for production quality. If you can do that, suggestions are greatly appreciated. Also, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe, fight the good fight.